0: Hello, I'm Nadine Vogel, your host of Inclusion at Work. I am so proud of this program. We explore issues, opportunities, best practices relative to individuals with disabilities across all walks of life. And I am equally proud, if not more, to be interviewing today, Mr. Tim Shriver. He's the chair of Special Olympics, among many other accolades that we're going to ask him about. Let's hear from you a little bit about your background.
1: Thanks, Nadine, thanks for having me, and thanks most importantly for doing this, for telling the story of a new and emerging country, a new and emerging business uh, mentality, a new and emerging workplace philosophy, uh, a new and emerging identity for who we are in this country and I dare say around the world, people who see the gifts in everyone. For a long time, the world has seen gifts as in a pyramid, I've spent my career as an educator, uh, as a person active in the disability rights community, as a person interested in the various spiritual movements afoot in our time, uh, all seeking one big insight, which is how can we recognize the beauty in each of us uh, and and help people to see the beauty within themselves. The workplace is the final perhaps and maybe most definitive place in which a culture proves whether or not it believes that. Hopefully, we've had experiences as children where our moms or dads or those who cared for us gave us that experience that we mattered, that we belonged. Uh, But once we get through school, a lot of times schools fall short in that regard, and we've tried to make schools into places that value every child. We've worked very hard on that as a country in the last 50 years, and I think we've made some progress. But the workplace is still a place that feels very judgmental to most people, and it has to be in some ways, right? We have to be demanding. We have to have rigor. We have to have skills to add value in the workplace. But we've often had too narrow a definition. And so today we get to talk about it from my point of view, a critical turning point, which is when we can start to see the full range of human giftedness as important, not just in home, not just at school, not just on the playing field which is where the work of Special Olympics has been, but also in the workplace.
0: So Tim, you know, you talk about the workplace and uh, it's such a huge issue and you're right, you know, demands are demands is for-profit businesses, but we find that, that people with intellectual disabilities in particular are so underemployed, although they have the skills to meet the requirements of these companies. So what are your thoughts? How do we get to a point where that doesn't exist anymore?
1: Well, I heard years ago uh, the great innovator Muhammad Yunus say that when we hear old stories, it's history talking. And history still talks to us. We think in the past uh, categories. People with intellectual disabilities can't learn, can't speak, can't function, can't add value, can't, can't, can't. Uh, we think still uh, in the context of exclusion, segregation, separation. Uh, even institutionalization. Um, those are old categories. Those are actually not the truth. Uh, they're, I'm going to put this in harsh language, those are lies. Those are lies we've told each other. Unfortunately, many of us grew up believing them. Uh, but they're lies. The uh, people uh, with intellectual challenges have enormous gifts, have enormous capacities con- to contribute, have different gifts. I grant you that, and the, so there's not. Uh, this is not about everybody being the same. But it is about recognizing that in the present moment, we know. We know. Most of uh, our young people who are entering in HR departments were educated in schools where there were kids with special needs right alongside them. They know they added value. They know they played on the Special Olympics team. They know they were in the lunchroom. They know they saw them in the school clubs and cafeterias and, and this kind of thing. So they know. Uh, we just got to get history to stop carrying the narrative and let the, our understanding of one another actually penetrate through those old lies so we can see the truth about the gifts of this population we don't need a big charitable or a big uh, bending of the rules of productivity or the big uh, a big collapse of our competitiveness quite the contrary people with intellectual disabilities over and over again study after study increase productivity increase employee retention increase uh, the climate on the job, increase relationships, all these things. So this is a smart hire, not just a good hire.
0: Absolutely. And it's interesting what you said about the narrative. Um, We find that many companies say, I'm sure you're familiar, are delivering unconscious bias training. And the the premise with that is that people are taking actions, uh, whether it's against people with disabilities or others, and not realizing they're doing it. And my belief is that People need to own their biases. They need to believe that they have them. Doesn't mean they're trying to be mean, but maybe how they grew up or experiences they've had. And and I'm trying to figure out how we change that narrative. I I think unconscious bias kind of feeds into it. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think unconscious bias uh, is part of the human condition, uh, for better or for worse. It's something we all carry and we carry it around almost everything. Uh, We certainly carry it in this country in particular around race, and it has resulted in enormous uh, oppression and injustice. Uh, I'm sure we've carried it around many, many other categories, uh, and and we've seen the changes in these things around the role of women, around sexual orientation, um, uh, around political party. I mean, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in a political party where I carried a lot of conscious and unconscious bias. Against people now, you could say this is not the biggest deal in the world against Republicans, but go go figure. Um, uh, but it's a big issue, actually, uh, and our country is hemorrhaging fear and anger, in part because of that bias. It's not anywhere near as severe as what has uh, afflicted uh, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, but it's it's a serious problem. So, you know, we're at a time when people are both looking for the truth to try to get closer to the truth. But it's also scary to face the truth. Uh, Another favorite quote of mine is, you know, that the uh, scripture tells us the truth shall set you free. But I think it was Gloria Steinem who said, first, it'll kick your rear end. Uh, So the truth is sometimes hard for each of us. uh, And it requires a certain safety and a certain uh, sense of trust that we can ask hard questions and we can uh, share uh, old uh, biases, and we can own weaknesses and vulnerabilities and mistakes, and even harm we've caused. Knowing that if we own it, uh, we can move beyond it. Um, so it's important in uh, around intellectual and developmental disability that people feel comfortable asking questions. You know, uh, if if a person speaks differently, ask a question. Uh, what what? How do you listen? How do you understand? What would you like me to say? If I can't. Um, express myself, or if I don't understand you, how should I respond? If you walk differently, is there a challenge? How does that affect you? These are all ways of letting the bias, if you will, out and making it safe to transcend it. Um, so deep conversations, good listening. I mean, I I like to think, Nadine, that right now the most important skill in our country that we all need is to listen deeply to one another. It's not the same as solving a problem, but sometimes the first step is to understand uh, another person's point of view. So, uh, when we stop and listen deeply to our brothers and sisters with intellectual disabilities, we'll hear painful stories of exclusion, labeling, bullying, loneliness, and we'll hear resilience, we'll hear joy, we'll hear openness, we'll hear and see relational trust, and we'll see, oh my goodness, if only I'd known I would have hired you five years earlier. That's the response we, see, we love to see.
0: You know, as we, as we started talking, um, Tim, about changing the narrative and specifically people saying, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I wish I would have known this before. I would have hired you, you know, years ago. We're starting to see beginnings of that as it relates to neurodiversity. Um, we, you know, we see companies like Intuit hiring engineers who are on the spectrum as an example. Um, what are your thoughts around that?
1: Well, I, I, uh, I think neurodiversity is a good uh, uh, construct for people who get their head around it. Um, I had uh, maybe an, um, a simpler, well, to me, a simpler way of putting it, which is instead of the concept of disability, let's talk about diff-ability. Um, uh, it, the prefix matters. If we start out with the assumption of limitation, dis, uh, we are, we're already setting ourselves up to have to overcome the bias. We're actually reinforcing the bias. Now, of course, in my field, we talk about intellectual disability. I like to talk about intellectual diffability because it's clear that people with Down syndrome or people with autism, you referenced, have different abilities than their normatively developing peers. Uh, But the truth is we all have different abilities. The idea that intelligence was a single construct, I mean in a hundred years people will look back and say, oh my God, look at all the mistakes they made. They thought intelligence was a single construct. They didn't even understand that there was artistic intelligence and spatial intelligence and emotional intelligence and social intelligence and a hundred thousand other forms of intelligence. Honestly, we're just beginning to understand how to measure and define the range of human gifts. So uh, I think that you know, the, the broad diversity of the human expression is what makes great companies great when they fit people together and make a team. And that's what we've come to believe happens in the Special Olympics movement. People learn this singular employment-centric skill, which is how to be a participant on a team. Sometimes on a team you play defense, sometimes offense. Sometimes you lead, sometimes you follow. Sometimes you support someone else, sometimes you do your own thing. Uh, Those skills are at a premium in the workplace. The capacity to modify, adapt, to be flexible, to know when to move forward. These are all components of what people learn in the Special Olympics movement. You know, playing soccer, ironically, it doesn't look like job training. But it is job training. As it turns out, we've noticed this that people who have participated in a Special Olympics program for multiple years are much more likely to be employed later. We don't ever talk about jobs. We don't ever have a job fair. Maybe we should. Uh, we don't ever prepare people to take tests for employment. But people that learn how to be on a team are better or more likely, I should say, to end up on a team at work. So these are unconventional ways of preparing for the workplace that we believe uh, uh, we're starting to see manifest for people on the spectrum as you point out but for people with lots of other uh, variations of difference and in it is in that that i think the sweet spot is you know we all find we want to get into a place where we're like everybody else you know our comfort zone see this on social media what social media do you follow Social media that agrees with you. Uh, what kinds of groups are you in? Groups that are like me, right? So there's a natural human tendency to want to gravitate toward people who are just like you. It's not good for business. It's not good for business.
0: <laughs> yeah, diversity of thought, right? They're, they're, they're missing that whole experience. Um,
1: well, they're missing ideas. I mean, what's the, what's the central feature of, uh, of business is finding value. So if you've, everybody's trying to find value in the same place, you're going to miss value somewhere else. Uh, and we see this over and over again in, 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 in the creative businesses, in the entrepreneurial businesses and startups. They're always looking for someone who sees value or others didn't see it. You have to have multiple lenses to do that. And that's where our folks come in. They can often identify, boom. There's value here and you all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I hadn't thought of it that way, thank goodness you brought that up, let's try it. We're seeing quite a lot of movement in uh, corporate uh, leadership around this issue of hiring. We've had uh, companies come to the Special Olympics movement looking to sponsor, looking for volunteer engagement, but they leave after a little bit of exposure to the movement hiring people with intellectual disabilities, hiring Special Olympics athletes, United Airlines has done this, greeters, uh, support personnel, people who are working in frontline customer relations work, people working at headquarters. We've seen this uh, with our longtime allies at Coca-Cola, but you're seeing it across many, many, many companies where little baby steps are producing big gains quickly. uh, And there's nothing in corporate America like somebody getting a competitive advantage. And that's the way I would characterize uh, hiring persons with intellectual differences, competitive advantage. It's not about corporate social obligation and responsibility. I like to think it's about corporate social opportunity and value creation. Big flip that can produce, we believe, a significant change in the future. Better to get on the bandwagon early if you're uh, in the HR department because you don't want your CEO telling you, how do we miss the boat?
0: Well, Tim, it sounds to me like you and everyone at Special Olympics has really made this lifelong commitment to build skills, eliminate barriers, and really shift attitudes towards people with all disabilities, but especially so with intellectual disabilities. And I can't think of anything more important than that. So I thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I am sure there will be lots of questions that come in and I will be sure to forward them to you because what you're doing is amazing and so is Special Olympics. And I encourage anyone who doesn't know about Special Olympics to learn more, to get involved, whether it's for your own child, a child that you know you wanna become a volunteer, it's that important.
2: Today, I am with Daniel Smirkowski, who is a Sergeant Shriver International Global Messenger. He is a Special Olympics athlete in two sports, basketball and swimming, a graduate of Roosevelt University in journalism, a Matthew Freeman Award winner, an employee at United Airlines, and he's also a podcaster. Some of you might know him as Dan the Podcast Man. He has done 12 years of podcasts, over 400 episodes, called Special Chronicles. Now, Daniel, first question is, why do you go live on your podcast?
3: I hold a airline pilot, use the all word, the word we touted on another podcast, and he had started listening to my story on, on, on my podcast and the stories of my friends, my, my fellow Special uh, Olympics athletes. And when he heard my story and my friends, he had his perspective, his perspective changed. And it, it was really that lack of understanding from the mainstream audience in other podcasts that weighty was the reason of why I went live 12 years ago and is why I continue to go live with my podcasts every week 12 years later. What's the story that you're trying to tell? So. The story that I'm trying to tell with my uh, uh, podcasts is that those of us with intellectual dis- disabilities show unconditional love, joy, acceptance, and inclusion in everything that we do, and that. From the sports training that we compete in Special Olympics, all athlete leadership skills go be beyond sport. And the story that I'm trying to tell through all these podcasts is about the accomplishments of what of what I and others like me with intellectual disabilities and and all different types of disabilities, people like yourself and so many in our community, the accomplishments of what we're able to do because our disability community, as you know, we're the largest minority group, but we're often the least seen.
2: Who have been your favorite guests? I mean, you have some really, really special guests on there. Are you allowed to pick a pick a favorite, or tell me some of your favorites? It's
3: um, uh, I don't have any. I don't have any kids yet, but it's it, it's kind of the same thing. It's 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 how to pick a favorite uh, guest, but if I were probably one of and and this took this this was after ten years of podcasting, but probably one of the like I I've outlined the top ten. Uh, on podcasts, and of those top ten that I've done the past twelve years, probably the top guest would have to be if one Tim Shriver, who I know you just talked to for the same for this same story. Um, but Tim, who's all who's all chairman of Special Olympics, that was probably one of my favorite guests because. It, it built on over a decade of experience in in journalism and in the media and it it built on this experience and it was it was something that weighty really, i i think, I think speak, speaks a lot both just tim as a person but also the the content of what we talked about um, around the 50th anniversary of Special Olympics and it really that having an opportunity to sit one-on-one and this was back when we could be in person getting a chance to sit w- with Tim was an amazing opportunity to have him on as a uh, as a guest,
2: he's the chairman, but he's also a friend, which allowed you to have a really good and personal conversation about important things.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah, yeah. He's not only is he the chairman of Special Olympics, but he's also my friend. Um, I still, um, uh, he and his wife had sent me a uh a handwritten card a, a few years ago. And I still have it hanging up in in my studio because, as you know, as much as DMs on social media and email and texting and all this digital communication is is, is good, getting a handwritten note from Tim Shriver and his wife Linda is was just something that witty really speaks to that that um friendship that that we shall. exactly
2: now you also are a sergeant shriver international global
3: messenger what does that mean so i'm one of 10 southern Shriver international global messengers it it's an incredible opportunity that i have as a southern Shriver international global messenger to speak on behalf of uh, my fellow oval, six million special Olympics athletes and unified nose. Well,
2: it also helps to amplify amplify your voice, doesn't it? That you've had a lot of training and you get a lot more international opportunities to tell your story. What does that mean to you? So, the,
3: the, to have this opportunity to amplify my voice on, on a global scale is an incredible opportunity, for example, going to uh, our, the um, World Games um, in Abu Dhabi last year, uh, that to be able to c- c- connect with athletes from across the globe and, Heal their story and in Special Olympics, will one big family, even though we come from across the globe. That being able to share my story on this global scale, I'm able to, sh- to really show how will one big family
2: one big family. and it, But it's not just athletes, right? You're speaking with dignitaries and people like that who I would imagine can help tell your story, can take your story and tell your story in different parts of the world. I'd imagine that, that 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 impact is really important to you.
3: Yeah. Yeah that the to to be able to speak to a lot of dignitaries is weighty really and cause though when I'm speaking as a Southern survival international global messenger, they're they're able to see beyond beyond my disability and they're they're able to see me as as a human with the, 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 the same hopes and dreams as anybody else. Exactly. Which leads us into your into your
2: job. Now you're working with United Airlines. What what is your job with United? What do you do with that?
3: So as a service ambassador at United Airlines, I help, I help our um, customers to check in and, and, and help them with directions when they come into um, Chicago O'Hare International Air, Air, Airport. I'm able to, as a service ambassador, connect with our customers that come through the airport in Chicago. Uh, and and that's it, it's an amazing opportunity that I, I, I get to to uh, have at uh, at work every day to help to co- connect people to to the world. What
2: makes you a good employee? I assume that you are a good employee. What makes you a good employee?
3: When everybody is is in a rush. To get to where they're going, I take the time. Those we don't have a lot of time to talk with the customers, as you know, because people are, are, are trying to check in, go, go, go here and there and there. But I, I, I take even that that few seconds that I hit, ha- few seconds, few few quick quick minutes that I have to connect with the customer. We are all individual people all
2: bringing a unique story but also probably all sharing a lot in common as well do you feel like do you feel like you've 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 nailed it on any of your your podcasts where you've gotten exactly the story out there that you want or is this the thing that keeps you coming back to think oh i think i can do it better there's, there's always an
3: another Another angle of the story that I can tell, and so that's what keeps me coming back, podcast after podcast, story after story. I assure you,
2: it's it's the same thing for everybody. You're you're not alone in that. But it's great that you are out there helping people to tell their story and giving them giving them a venue to broadcast it as well. I realize that you are used to being on the other end of this so you're used to being the one asking the questions instead of answering the questions so thank you for joining us and it's going to be really exciting people can check you out on special chronicles they can go check out your podcast and also at o'hare airport if they're checking in to united airlines you might be the smiling face that is taking some of the pressure and some of the anxiety out of getting on that next plane. So Daniel, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for doing everything you're doing.
3: Thank you, Chris, for having me. It's a, it's an incredible honor to talk with you on behalf of the over 6 Million Special, special Olympic athletes in unified Potnos across the globe. Perfect. Thank you very much.